Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. No, I will. It, it will be a short word again. We got there. We changed clothes. We went to prison. We got out of prison. I stayed up till midnight studying, turned around, got up at 530 in the morning, went back in prison at 730, was there till 930 last night, got out, eight, went to bed, got up 830 this morning, and we drove home. So that's been life for the past few hours. Amen. I'm going to turn to Genesis. Pardon me. I would do it again. I'd do it tomorrow. Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. The atmosphere is nothing like it. I think, and it's not so much the Spirit of God as it is the hunger of those for the Spirit of God. You have 500 hungry people. It'd be like going to a country when you have rice in your pocket and they're hungry. Son, watch out. It was fun. There's nothing like preaching in prison. Amen. Have a good time. Good time. Amen. Genesis chapter 32. And I'm going to read. Uh, just verse number, let me read, start at verse number 24 here tonight. Verse number 24. Uh, there was a prisoner that was taping. They was recording. I don't know what they're doing with those. They was recording the services, which was kind of peculiar. And that lady talked to me after church. She said, I, she said, I thought you was going to be one of those guys who just kind of stayed behind the pulpit. But I guess I freaked her out when I ran up into the bleachers and was all over the place. So, but, uh. She said, you made it hard on me and my videography skills. <laughs> I said, well, you're in training. <clears throat> Genesis 32 and verse 24. The Bible says, and Jacob was left alone. that wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Amen. Just for a little while tonight, just want to very uh, simply talk tonight about a name changed. A name changed. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you this evening. God, I'm thankful. God, for your people. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, God, for your protection, God, on the highways and byways. I'm thankful, God, for the things, Lord, that you have accomplished, Lord Jesus, in just 48 hours. God, you're able to do anything. I pray, oh God, tonight, God, help us to lean in, Lord Jesus, God, to your word, God, as we share something, God, with these people. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help them, Lord Jesus, in their lives. God, strengthen us, Lord, today. God, help us, Lord Jesus, to follow, Lord Jesus, you, and be faithful to you. God, both in the little and the great things, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 
Amen. The name change. This is not anything new tonight. There is nothing new under the heavens. But as we look at the story of Jacob, Jacob was one of the twins, Jacob and Esau, born from uh, the, the womb of their mother. She knew that during her pregnancy that there was something that wasn't quite right. She could almost feel it, almost sense it. She even went to the man of God with questions about what she had felt and what was going on. He told her quite frankly, divulged everything to her, said there are two nations that are within your womb. One is going to serve the younger. As a matter of fact, it shall be the elder that shall serve the younger. There is, I know, a struggle that is taking place. And that struggle wasn't just something that would be contained to the womb, but it would be something that even from birth onward would happen between both Jacob and Esau. We learn in Scripture that here is, uh, the Bible says that, that, that Esau is going forth and being born. And as he is being born, here is Jacob. The scripture gives us the first indication of his character coming out of the womb with his hand on the heel of his brother, being the heel catcher, if you will, or the heel grabber. It wasn't very long then, a little later in life, we read in the scripture that the Bible speaks of Esau being more of a man of the field. He's more of the rustic type of individual. He likes to go out in the field. He likes to hunt. He's the manly man. He wears the flannel shirts and the black undershirts under him like Mike Penrod is out there in the deer stand somewhere. He's, he's the manly man, you know. He likes to go hunting. But Jacob was more of, uh, of a mama's boy. He liked to, uh, you know, deal with the domesticated animals that's around the house and uh, maybe, you know, was around mama's skirt tail just a little bit more than what others would be. And, and so they had two different type of dynamic personalities. But the Bible says that Jacob was at home one day and he has whipped up something to eat again. That kind of tends to his personality the way that he was. And Esau comes in out of the field being the man that he is. And the Bible says that he was just totally exhausted even speaking a little exaggerated concerning his condition that he was at the point of death. And here's, here's Jacob, there's, there's the, 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 the porridge that is being poured, and he's dealing with making this nice food, you know. And, and Jacob here, huh? Huh? Anyway, and, and so he comes in. I thought, he's talking to me. Go on and talk to me. Uh, coming in and and there's one that's that's desiring some of this porridge and the other one here has just come in from the field and he has all these this just being exhausted at the point of death that he says and the scripture says that there's basically a bargain that is made between them uh, he is wanting him to uh, take his porridge if there could be an exchange for the birthright that the firstborn had and so we learn in Scripture that it was Esau that was the firstborn, so he had the birthright, meaning that if mom and dad died, he had a double portion. A double portion of the land would belong to him. It was his responsibility then to look after his mother if anything would happen to his father, to look after the rest of the children. There were some perks and privileges that came with the birthright. But he's come out of the field and he's told his brother, he says, if you'll give me that, he said, I'll give you the birthright. Nothing attached. He said, because what good is this birthright whenever I am at the point of death? And that seems like real good reasoning 
uh, but in reality, the birthright uh, goes beyond, amen, even the point of death, if you will. And so in this little exchange, one then sells uh, his birthright for a bow of porridge, a bow of porridge, as the Bible would speak. And so here is Jacob. He, 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 he gets in his hands. He has now access to the birthright. But the Bible says on a particular day as they've grown a little bit more that uh, Esau's in the house and he is around his father and his father's eyes are dim because he is old. And he says, Esau, why don't you go and, and out into the field and get some venison, get a deer, bring it back, prepare it the way that I like it, bring it into me so I can eat it and I can bless you because along with the birthright always went the blessing of the birthright. You can come back in and I will bless you and, and everything will be fine. Well, the Bible says that there was some that overheard this. Jacob and his mother mainly overheard this and she tells her son, you know, they kind of have their favorites in this old scenario. She tells her son, she says, your father has told Esau to go prepare some meat and bring it back and give it to his father and he would bless him. She says, but you go get just a animal here just right out of the flock and I'll prepare it and I'll make sure it's just like your dad likes and you can go in there and you can get the blessing from your father. I mean, he already has the birthright and so now he's going to try to secure the blessing and he does so. He goes and gets the venison. He brings it back to his mother. It's made just like daddy likes it. He goes into where his father is and he says, Father, I'm back. I have the savory meat that you have requested. He says, are you indeed my son Esau? He says, I, I am Esau. He's, he's posing as his brother. Though his brother is a man of the field, has the smell of you of the, of the field. No offense, Mike. Has the smell of the field, have been out in the woods. Uh, he, he's going to grab his brother's uh, skins and put them upon the back of his hands because Esau was more hairy than Jacob was and going to put it on the nap of his neck. And he's going to go in before his father and his father's going to smell the smell of the field and he's going to eat the meat that he believes is fixed just like he likes it. And he hears the voice and he's not sure, but the gentleman is saying that he is indeed Jacob and so here yet again it seems like there is this deceiving and supplanting he comes out of the womb with his hand on his brother's heel he, he, he makes an exchange in such a way he gives porridge for his brother's birthright and now he is posing as his brother to secure the blessing of his brother upon his life and that takes place his father puts his hand upon him he blesses him amen that even his brother would serve him and all the bounty of the land would be his and he puts this blessing upon him and he deceives him. He gets it by manipulation another time uh, with his brother here. And Esau comes traipsing in after all this is said and done. Father, here I am. I got the savory meat that you've required. And he says, who art thou? You know, I, I've already had an Esau in here. Who are you? I'm, I'm Esau. I'm the one you talk to. I'm in here again. And he says, well, your brother has been in here before you and I've already blessed him. And what I blessed, I blessed. I can't take it back. He says, well, bless me. You got to have something for me. You can only imagine how Esau must have felt. We came out of the womb and my brother had his hand on my heel. I gave him my birthright because I said I was at the point of death and I just needed something for the moment to sustain me. And now the blessing that's to follow me the rest of my days, he has come in here before me and he has secured that. He's not too happy with his brother. In his heart, his murder, he's wanting to take him out, if you will. And as 
a result, the, 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 the uh, advice given to Jacob was get out of the land. Don't stay around here. Go somewhere else. Your brother Esau is seeking to kill you. And when things have settled down, then you can come back. Folks, whenever you start to follow the life of Jacob, it is a life of him from the moment of birth, constantly getting what he got, it seems to be, by deception and manipulation. And, and, and even with Laban, there were certain things that he did that were well, was deceiving to Laban though he was deceived by Laban as well he just lived that life of being a deceiver he he was known by that if someone would say Jacob they would say Jacob he, he's that supplanter he's the man that stole his brother's blessing and also took advantage of him and got his birthright that what he was known for that that's what uh, his name meant even supplanter and deceiver and so he has that hanging over his head all of his days until finally he hears the voice of the Lord that I want you to return back to your father's land. You've spent 14 years waiting to get your wives. You've worked six years, amen, to get your flock. But I want you to return home. And he is apprehensive about meeting his brother again. He's apprehensive about that meeting. How's that going to go? Whenever I left, he was seeking to kill me. Is he going to want to kill me now? And the Bible says that before he has that engagement with his brother, He's setting everything in order. Whenever he had left the land, he had a staff in his hand. As he's returning, he has men servants and maid servants. He has livestock. He has wives. He has children. Uh, God has been very good to him. And whenever he's about ready to meet his brother the night prior to, he's, he's sending everybody over the brook, the Bible says, Jabbok. He's setting them over there. They're on their journey. They're going to go meet Esau. They hear that he is coming with a band of men. And so he's a little unsure about what's going to take place and our scripture setting is posed right there there is Jacob alone by himself having sent everybody ahead of him in that night and he's engaged in a wrestling match as the Bible describes it with the angel of the Lord they are fighting back and forth they are in this wrestling match with one another and the Bible says as they are in this wrestling match that the coming of day was approaching the angel needed to get back the angel needed to leave and get away but Jacob's words was this I will not let you go unless thou bless me and the angel of the Lord did something in that moment that was going to cause Jacob to have to take ownership of something that he had been from the moment of birth and that is he said what is your name and when he asked him what his name was over the lips of Jacob came the name that was given to him at birth. But more importantly, the name that described who he was. The name that described his history. The name that described his past. And he said, I am Jacob. When he said that, he was basically saying, I'm the supplanter. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the deceiver. I'm the manipulator. If I could say it like this, I'm the one that made the exchange for the birthright. I'm the one that went and deceived my father in order to secure the blessing. I'm the manipulator of the family. And where the angel of the Lord heard Jacob not try to deceive in that moment and say, well, my name is this or that, something other 
better than what it was not. When the angel heard that he took ownership for who he was, how he had acted, what his history and past had been, the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, no longer will you be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel because as a prince thou hast power with God. And just in a moment with an encounter with God, a man made himself ownership of his past, ownership of what he had done. And God said, because you took ownership of who you were, where you come from, and what you could do. He says, I'm going to change the future nature of your life. I know this might be an old story and a familiar passage, but it still stands true today. I don't care what name you've entered this world in or what name you have made for yourself from this day past. You might have been the cheater, the liar, the, the finagler. All of us for sure have been labeled a sinner, but if you come to God and own who you are, whether you're a sinner, whether you're lost, whether you're undone, whether you're horribly mistaken, God just wants us to own who we are where we be we don't have anything to hide when it comes to God the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over all the earth. We don't have anything that we got to hide from God. We don't have to put on any facade. Amen. That's probably one of the great things I love about like the past weekend. Nobody's walking around there with the peacocks in their hat. Amen. Trying to put forth something they're not. They are just who they are and who they were. And they share it and they just say that we were Jacob. That's who we are. But then they tell the rest of the story. When I owned who I was. When I owned what my past was I was the thief I was the liar I was if you will the sexual addict I was this and that whenever I did that in the sight of God God says no longer will you be called that no longer will you be known by who you was I'm going to put a new name Someone say amen. There might be somebody even in this house tonight that you have a record or you have a name that's been associated with you for days and all the years of your life. I tell you with confidence tonight, if you'll just own who you've been, God will make you who he wants you to be. I'm Jacob. No longer. No longer. No longer. You shall be called Israel. Because a prince you've had power of God and men and have prevailed. You know what he's telling Jacob in that moment? He says you don't have to be known by your past anymore. You don't have to be known as the manipulator anymore. You don't have to be known as the deceiver anymore. Whenever you left home, that's what you was known by. But you don't have to go back home known like that. Whenever you left home, that's all they knew you by. But when you return, you can return and then they ask you who you are. You can tell them, well, I once was Jacob, but now I'm his. Honey, several of you tonight have that testimony that I once was this, but now I'm that. How did that happen? I had a wrestling match with an angel. I had an encounter with God. And at that place, everything changes. Hope. It's 
called hope. Someone say glory. It can all happen. Folks, things can happen with a name change. It can make the supplanter, the deceiver, amen, one that truly then is deserving of the firstborn right. Amen. Everything. There can be a lot, a lot of, amen, things that can turn around just with a simple name change. A simple name change, amen, will make Abram to Abraham and become a father of many nations. When he doesn't even have a child yet. Do you understand that the name change that Abram got from Abram to Abraham spoke into him prophetically that he would be the father of many nations and he didn't even have a son yet? What are you saying? God can speak something into your life in a moment of a name change that doesn't even exist yet, but he'll use time. To showcase his plan? Not only is he telling that to somebody who doesn't have a child yet, but he's telling that to somebody who's married to a woman who has a barren womb. Some of us would just be like, <laughs> I don't know if this is the voice of God or not. He's got this wrong. I'm married to a woman that has a barren womb. And for that matter, I'm kind of up in years. She is for sure up in years. And uh, you won't call me Abraham, the father of many nations. <laughs> you say in a nation, I can't even get a kid. But as time would reveal, a barren womb God caused to be fruitful. <laughs> and brought forth a son. Right? Isaac. And from Isaac would come the Jacob and the Esau. Woo. And then from the name change of Jacob could proliferate into 12 boys. And now we have a grandfather Abraham who when it was spoken didn't even have a seed in the womb. Now just two generations later have 12 tribes. There is power in the changing of a name. Oh, Brother McGee, let me tell you something. Whenever you, whenever according to New Testament scripture, that you come to God, amen, and you are baptized, as the scripture says, in Jesus Christ, the Bible says when you are baptized into Christ, you have put upon, you put on Christ. Whenever you're baptized into Christ, which means baptized in water, submerged, uh, taking on the family name of Christ, you put on Christ. What happens? You get a name change right then. If we can just superimpose, if you will, I'm Paul Robert. McGee Jr. Jesus Christ I didn't just play Jesus Christ just yesterday amen I'm telling you that's Jesus Christ before then because I took on me the family name but there was a dynamic that changed in my life when I took on the family name I went down into the water as a sinner with sins in my life but whenever I came up from there the Bible said he remitted and removed all of my sins honey that is the significance of a name change they change. 
you're going to be called Israel. Thou hast power. You're going to have power of God and prevail. Jacob thought, well, this works two ways. What's your name? He says, why in the world do you need to, you know, why do you need to know my name? Why do you do it? Ask after my name. The Bible just says, though, that he blesses him right there. He's had the hollow of his thigh touched, that the sinews shrink up on it. So that for the rest of his days, at least according to the scripture, that Jacob, he's not known now for what he was known for. Right? Not known as the supplanter and the deceiver. That's changed. The names have been changed. But he's known by the different way that he walks. He's not known by the past of what he was called. But now he's known by how he walks. Boy, the significance of a name change. It won't just affect your past, but it will affect how you walk in your future. And he says, it doesn't bother me that I got this limp. Because what that indicates to me is somewhere in this journey, I've had a change of name. There's been a dynamic difference about who I was and what I have become. Someone say amen. Stand with me if you will here this evening. No longer, no longer will you be called Jacob. If we bow our heads in this place tonight, there could be perhaps someone even here tonight that says, Brother McGee, the thing that I constantly struggle with is the thing that has identified me along my road of mishaps and mistakes and blunders people in the community and friends that I have only know me as that even a large category even to the church people I feel like they just see me as that I'm asking you here this evening if you would take this opportunity before we go home tonight for God to come down and just ask you one time what your name is if you would just own God I did do this and I did do that and I committed that, and I've done this, and I'm not too happy about that. I'm asking tonight if you'll take ownership of what you have been identified by and what you've been identified with. I have great confidence tonight that God would love to change your name. And by changing your name, he's changing your identity because the name is by the way by which we are identified by. And in the Old Testament times, it wasn't just that. The name was the whole characterization of the person like Jacob's name. It's not just stuff that we throw out there today. You know, people, they're going to just look through baby, you know, uh, things. Oh, we're going to find a baby name. You want to find it peculiar or spelled a different way. That, that's not how they did in the Old Testament. They find a name that was going to be the character of their child. It was almost prophetic. A name that was going to be the characterization of their child folks God wants to change our name because in doing so he changes also our identity and character by whenever we get a name change a name change and so what 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 have you been dragging around what what have you been pulling around from your past that haunts you or that you're not proud of that you feel like you can't be rid of I'm here to tell you tonight you can bring it to the Lord claim ownership for what it had been even if it's been 10 or 15 years ago and let God tell you in that moment no more no more no more be known by that he says I'm going to call you this 
I'm going to call you this. I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you successful. I'm going to call you child of God. I, I'm going to call you delivered. I'm going to call you saved. I'm going to call you, let him give you a brand new name. A brand new name. These altars are open tonight for anybody that would wish to participate here this evening. Find a place to pray. And if you come to pray, I just challenge you tonight. Just stand, stay standing on your feet and talk to God. Sometimes we don't watch ourselves. We, we get our head buried in our arm, and that's just as far as it goes. We just kind of get all wrapped up, you know. Sometimes if you just come and stand, stand before the Lord, amen, and just make yourself vulnerable, vulnerable in the sight of God. Hallelujah. He can give us a forever name change. Don't have to be the same. Don't have to be the same. Oh, brother, no, no. Listen, there are people here tonight that's still struggling with their name Jacob. Still struggling with their name Jacob. But you need to allow God to get in a match of wrestling with you. Amen. And you need, you need a name change. You need a new identity. You need a new path to walk. You need a new characterization. Hallelujah. Just own what it has been. And allow him to bring a new name upon your life. It will bring new direction. It will bring new foresight. It, will, it may even be prophetic like it was for Abraham. You might not see the totality of what it all encompasses in today. But if you'll stay, if you'll stay in line, if you'll stay in line with his purpose and plan, he'll cause it just to be played out in your life. A name changed. A name changed. I even say tonight, if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is warm water in this baptistry as we speak right now. If you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never, repentance is a change of mind, but anytime you have a change of mind, that affects your behavior because anything you act and do first starts here in your mind. So when you repent, you get a change of mind, which influences your behavior. And so whenever you repent, and you talk to God about having that change of mind, meaning you're going to think differently, thus do differently. Whenever you do that, you are a great candidate to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in water. And what's going to happen? I'm going to get a new name. I'm going to get a new name in the water. If you'd like to be baptized tonight, you can come see Brother Malone say something to him. He can get on stuff, and we can get you baptized in Jesus' name tonight, and we can have a name change. Oh, is it that simple? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's exactly that simple. It's exactly that simple. Can we raise our hands right now to the Lord? God, I thank you, Lord, for that day I met a watery grave of baptism. God, I'm grateful for that day, Lord Jesus, when you altered and changed, Lord, the dynamics, Lord, of my, Lord, like by changing my name. God, I'm grateful tonight for that. God, we pour, Lord Jesus, past woes and mistakes and blunders. God, upon you, Lord, you can forever change us here tonight. You can forever change us here tonight, God. Hallelujah. Let's cry out to the Lord for a little bit right here. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.